Hello and welcome back to March Mad Men. Our show is set out to find the very best slasher movies ever made, match them against each other, and decide which is the greatest of all time. If you listened to our last podcast, you already know that we've decided to put the pedal to the metal and accelerate this process. Going into this one, each March Madman has examined the field of films, both the first round winners and losers, to whittle things down to 10 favorites. Tonight, we'll present those lists, see where we agree and disagree, and ultimately vote them down to four movies that at least two out of the three of us can agree on. It's our first time doing anything like this, so we don't really know what to expect, but I think it's going to be a very interesting evening. As always, I'm John Evans, and tonight I am joined by my very talented co-hosts, screenwriter Vikram Wheat and TV producer Rich Eckersley. Let's start with you, Rich. How goes it in your eternal battle for work-life balance, and are you still seeking a drink sponsorship from Sparklets? Still, I'm still losing that battle, John. I'm still Damn. in the work-life balance battle. You know, oh. interestingly, I mean, like, this is a topic for another time, but, like, I've just noticed that, you know, I, I work with people who are, uh, you know, let's say, like, a decade or in some cases, you know, two decades, like, younger than I am. They're much better at it. They're, like, they're much better at, like, kind of, like, setting up boundaries. Um, you know, and the people who have, like, been at this for a long time just kind of, like, work themselves to death. So that's where I'm at, working, working myself to death. So the subtext of that is, hey, if y'all thought millennials were lazy, check out Gen Z. <laughs> no, man, they're not, they're, they're, not, they're not even lazy. They're just, like, they're just good at it. They're yeah, good no, at, I know. Uh, they're good at dividing up their lives. So way to go. Way to go, Gen Z. I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah, maybe you won't uh, work yourselves into an early grave. <laughs> Uh, like the rest of us. All right, well, Vic, we just did our Texas Chainsaw 2022 pod uh, last week, so hello again, you son of a bitch. How's it going? Hello again. <laughs> have, you, uh, have you secured any backwoods bastard to drink yet, Vic? I have not, and in fact, I've been, I've been cutting back on my beer consumption just on based on an, an internal impulse that says that it's it's time for me to to step back so i actually what i have is just a uh, a brother thelonious but it's the first beer i've had in about a week uh, and I'm, I'm actually feeling pretty good about that oh yeah that, that's that's a hell of a wind up to like to end with an eight percent beer <laughs> yep uh, well i i have a uh one of my old favorites i don't know that i've ever done this on the show uh, which is kind of weird, but it's the Ballast Point Grapefruit Sculpin IPA. And I know I've had a Sculpin at some point on the show, but I don't know that I've had the Grapefruit IPA before here. So wanted to, to christen that one. Cheers. Just rubbing that in the face of everyone who's on Lipitor for high cholesterol because you can't have grapefruit now. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm extremely cruel to the, the grapefruit deficient. <laughs> I, I do want to just prepare everyone so that we don't have to edit this podcast quite as uh, uh, to the bone as we might otherwise that due to a series of circumstances, I am recording in the main house where which I'm sharing with uh, uh, my dog, uh, my two children and my three legged cat. So if you hear any strange sounds going on in the background, uh, you don't don't worry. 
uh, it's probably okay. And uh, if not, call the police. <laughs> well, feel free to uh, mute yourself as needed, uh, Vic, which of course can end in some hilarity as well. But um, good to know and understood. And, and Why don't you mute yourself, John? <laughs> oh, sometimes I probably should uh, as we touch on certain topics along the way. Hey, there's, uh, there's Savannah already. I, I hear and I miss that, uh, that plaintive meow. Didn't take long. <laughs> okay, let the games begin, gentlemen. Uh, one prefatory comment I've, I felt compelled to make I was thinking about the notion of best movie versus best slasher as we approach this process. I want to be clear that pure quality of filmmaking is a criteria for me, certainly, but not to such a degree that, say, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho has to be number one. If the question is, what's the best movie movie, period, in a vacuum, then I I think that Psycho would be tough to beat here. But I think it's unfair to the genre that was born, or at least launched, by Psycho to say that you might as well have stopped there. In terms of pure cinema, sure, Psycho is a film classic regardless of genre. Anyone will tell you that. That's not a out-on-a-limb opinion. But for me, at least, this process is meant to honor the anarchic spirit of the slasher film and what it would become after Psycho. So, for some reason, I wanted to get that out of the way up front. Does anyone have any comments on on that point? I also feel like it it doesn't necessarily have to be anarchic either. I do agree with you that that is a a totally valid quality and a reason to hold a film in high regard. But I also feel like as we've gone through this, that like there are movies that I really appreciate for that quality. Um, And then there are slasher films that I think don't necessarily have that quality and are somewhat sort of, you know, kind of controlled and and sustained in their in their attack. Uh, You can appreciate both. Well said. And I do agree with that. Absolutely. It's just that if pure quality was what mattered most, I think that would change the way I approached my top 10. Let's put it that way. I appreciate that you are you are already criticizing rich and I's choices before we've even made them. Like you're like getting out in front. <laughs> I'm, I'm subtweeting you somehow and <laughs> with my own words to your face. <laughs> Not consciously, but we are going to get into, you guys have gotten into my head and you'll, you'll understand what I mean by that uh, when I go into a rant later. First off here, let's go around the horn and, and share our top 10 slasher movies from the tournament. Each of us has narrowed it down to these 10 films that we think best represent the genre and deserve consideration when contemplating the question, what is the greatest slasher movie ever made? I'm in high spirits tonight, so I think I'm going to kick us off. If, if I was the only one voting in this tournament, these would be the last 10 films left standing as of now. And my list is in descending order, so if I was going to reseed our field. This is the heaviest favorite right down to the biggest underdog, with the caveat that I'd have to watch some of these again to set the concrete. Here are John's top 10 slashers. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. By the way, this whole tournament, I've been calling it Chainsaw One Word and saying it was 1973. It's actually 1974. So I don't know how much of that actually bled on to the airwaves, 
but uh, I feel a little embarrassed about it. Now, at least in our official documents, uh, the title and year of the movie are correct, which, I yes, I'm embarrassed about, and I take full responsibility. Then, Black Christmas. Friday the 13th, Part 4, the final chapter. Friday the 13th, Part 2. Psycho. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Sleepaway Camp. Maniac, 1981. Hot Tension. And Terrifier. Those are my top ten. Vic, why don't you give us yours? Uh, are we spoiler-free on this episode? That's an excellent question. I'm glad you mentioned it. No, we are not. At this point, this conversation will be no holds barred. I don't honestly know how many spoilers we're going to get into. I don't know how relevant spoilers are going to be. So I wouldn't like over overly worry I hope that all of you who are listening, uh, this isn't the first episode of March Mad Men for you, and uh, you've had some time to think about watching these movies and hopefully did so where you thought that was going to be important to you. But yeah, we're not going to really worry about spoilers here, and, and we could definitely find ourselves into some conversations that give away key plot elements. So thanks for mentioning that, Vic. Excellent. All right, good. Because, yeah, I do want to talk about high tension at some point. And I'm not going to say hot tension. High tension. <laughs> um, I, only, I only say that because, like, the U.S. cut is, is not as good. Like, I, I really am talking about the original French version, uh, uncut version, not the one that the bastardized version that was released in the U.S. as high tension. I understand that, and yet it will, it will have no bearing on my issues with the film. <laughs> um, I notice, uh, I notice that you do not have John Carpenter's Halloween in your top ten. Ah, Is yes. Is that correct? <laughs> well, Vic, that's a valid criticism to 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 lob at me. My my reason for that was very simple. It was not entirely honest and true to the spirit of our process, which is to say that in March of 2018, which is about four calendar years before we're talking tonight, we did a extremely long episode about Halloween. Uh, it wasn't Rich, it was you, me, and Mike Kuchek. I, I honestly kind of just was open to not doing a loving autopsy on a movie that we had basically given, given a lot loving autopsy to already and not all that long ago on top of it. Objectively speaking, I can't really defend my exclusion of it because I do believe it should be very much in consideration for one of the four greatest slasher movies ever made. But just kind of doing to dealing with the process here due to the people involved and the podcast we're trying to do, I I was somewhat prejudiced against it. So mea culpa. I, I honestly I'm not gonna make an argument for why it's not um one of the greatest slasher movies ever made. Gotcha. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna process that. Uh, and, and I'm going to come back at you like a howitzer after I go through my through my top ten. Um, so here are Vic's top ten slashers uh, in no particular order. But I will say, yeah, let's start off just uh, as John did with the the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. Halloween, 1978. Psycho, Black Christmas, Us. The newer Ty West film, X. The original A Nightmare on Elm Street. Sleepaway Camp and The Strangers. I really struggled with kind of the last two or three of these. The Strangers could easily fall off my top ten and be replaced by something else. But that was sort of where I landed, because that ending is, uh, I really do think, is pretty iconic. Rich, do you have any thoughts on either Vic's list or mine? I kind of missed the conversation on Terror... I mean, I didn't kind of miss the conversation on Terrifier. I was not here for the conversation on Terrifier, so I, I didn't get to participate in that. And that, that's a movie that I find, like, pretty polarizing. I'm interested to see it in your top ten. I think that it has, like, some really strong elements, but, like, ultimately, like, as a, as a movie, like, doesn't... To me, doesn't hold together in, like, the sort of top ten uh, caliber. Otherwise, like, no, like, I kind of appreciate, like, I had some similar similar sentiments as Vic did with regards to, like, embracing some newer material that maybe I just responded to better because it was a little fresher to me. I think it kind of felt the same thing I did, which was, like, it was nice to see sort of fresh perspectives on the on the genre. So I, I like that about, about your list, Vic. You guys going different ways with Jason Lives versus the final chapter is a real interesting move in terms of uh, <laughs> in terms of Friday films. Uh, so I look forward to seeing uh, you guys pit those two together to see why you picked which one. No, I don't think any major grievances except for the fact that Vic didn't include Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, uh, which I think is clearly one of the superior films on here. But, you know, I guess Vic likes his like, movies like straight down the middle. <laughs> Ooh, zing. Uh... Well, I want to defend Terrifier, but uh, Vic, why don't you defend yourself on TCM2's glaring omission from your list? And I didn't realize I was going to have to fight on the uh, the Eastern Front as well, Rich. But... <laughs> <laughs> My basic argument would be that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, for everything that is original and, and shocking about it, is not as good as Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. Well, sure. And, and... That's a straw man argument, Vic. No oh, one's going to tell you it's better. <laughs> I find something about Texas Chainsaw 2 is kind of nausea-inducing with me. And, like, that's an impressive accomplishment. Like, that's that's probably what the movie is setting out to do and i probably should watch it again before i uh, be, before i settle on that but i don't think it's going to be i don't think it's going to wind up in the top four of the 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 autopsy and uh yeah i mean it's i that's one of the ones if i was like i said if i was going to slide out the strangers for something else that would certainly be in the running but it did not it did not make the cut with me okay well i will say that to get ahead of ourselves a bit, there's another movie coming up that I would just do a loving autopsy on for fun uh, that I think is one of Rich's favorites. And I will add Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 to the list. Regardless of what happens with it in the tournament, I would love to do a deep dive into that movie anytime. So just saying that. Now, back to Terrifier. My opinion, honestly, was that it was refreshing. Like, I, I would put it more in the X or Us category as a newer film, except it's more notable for being transgressive 
and pushing boundaries. But it does kind of redefine the slasher. Like uh, if you would listen to the show, and I, I know that now you're too busy to listen to the show, Rich, but we <laughs> one of the things that we covered was that this this is the only slasher killer to take selfies with victims and text people. And like there there are a lot of modern aspects to Art the Clown and the way this movie plays out that you don't see in your average 1983 slasher film. And while the film is definitely repugnant, which is probably a big part of your problem with it, if I, I, if I had to guess, I think that stylistically and in terms of its content and its depiction of its killer and kills, that it, it is pushing the envelope in a lot of ways. And so while it's it is number 10 on my ranked list. I, I wanted to give it some love here because uh, that that's another one that I would do a loving autopsy on. Yeah, it could be a, a pretty grim experience. Uh, I will give you that. I would say like it's what's your word? Repugnancy? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I would say that, like I found that, that element of it like a little off-putting, but I'd, I'd say more it was like kind of the cheap like indie quality of it that, that maybe like turned me off a little bit more and i would definitely say like the repugnancy is like there was a i had a question as to like like when do you sort of like cross the bridge from being like a slasher film to being a torture porn film and like that movie is definitely like riding the line a bit and so you know we've had a lot of movies in this competition where it's kind of like well is it really a slasher so it's like i can't throw that that criticism around too much because I think we have to have some gray area to work within. So I wouldn't say it's not a slasher film. And I agree with you. There's, there's things I liked about it. I thought the, the art, the clown performance was, was actually fantastic in it. And I appreciated that the, the kills were definitely delivered with like gusto. And I liked some of the, the weird, like mommy stuff and the, the gender bending in it. Like that was pretty compelling in terms of like what your, what your slasher is doing. So I didn't hate it. I just like, just like, like top 10. Uh, I did not come into consideration for me. Fair enough. Absolutely. I understand. All right. Well, uh, what is your top 10, Rich? Mine has, definitely has some has some familiar faces coming back. Uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974. Black Christmas. Friday the 13th, Part 2. My only Friday the 13th entry. Psycho. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, of course. John Carpenter's Halloween. Blood Rage, which I really went back and forth on whether or not to like put it on here. But like like I said, at the end of the day, I had to go with, in this competition where it's like quality was not always necessarily a, a judging criteria, as you aptly pointed out. Like that was a movie that I really ended up responding to. Similar for Stage Fright, which uh, honestly surprised me when I found myself considering it for this list. But it's a movie that really kind of stuck with me and that I desperately like want to go back and, and revisit again even though I've really only seen it once, honestly, um, and for this competition, but really enjoyed it. Um, and then, uh, like Vic, I also included X and Us on my list. Cool, cool. Yeah, I, I, I like that you included Stage Fright, and it definitely was a movie that I wanted to to give some more time to, and I wanted to watch again, because, uh, yeah, I'd seen it in a the theater in the early 90s, and then I watched it once in the run-up to our show um but you know months before we actually talked about it so that was certainly 
something that, that I, I wish we had more time for. It's probably not in the cards, you know, to, to get a loving autopsy. But I think one of the things about this subgenre is is just kind of like figuring out what movies we want to immerse ourselves in. And I, I think that's one of the key criteria that I hope all of us are are keeping in mind. And Blood Rage is the one that I mentioned earlier. I would love to immerse in Blood Rage. On the objective quality meter, it's probably near the very bottom, <laughs> certainly, <laughs> certainly of any of our top 10 lists, I think. You know, let's face it, this is made by uh, people that had never made a movie for $2, uh, far from Hollywood in every sense of the word. Uh, well, maybe geographically it wasn't, but in any event, it, it definitely is more of a fascinating curiosity piece than great cinema, but I love movies like that, so I, I, I was happy to see that on your list. We're going to get into Us soon, but uh, briefly briefly on X, I will say that um, I saw that in the theater, and I, you know, I touched on it when we uh, voted it back in through the back door a couple of episodes ago. I would like to look at that movie again too um because you know having only seen it once it certainly caught my eye and i'm i'm definitely taking seriously that both of you put it on the list and it didn't avoid my list due to any antipathy on my behalf towards the film so i'm i'm open to that other than that i think you pretty much hit you know movies that either vic or i or both of us hit so uh, Vic, do you, uh, if you're back, do you have any thoughts on uh, Rich's list? Let me, I need to relocate to the guest house. Oh, yeah, sure. Back, okay, so. no problem. Yeah. yeah. Just give me one minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me, uh, oh, he kept the mic on. <laughs> Hang on. You could uh, mute yourself, but. <laughs> I was enjoying it. <laughs> I, I, did, I did mute myself, Dick. I mean, for the walk to the other house. <laughs> uh, okay, I think he's muted. That's, that's ambiance, John. Okay, you can't, you can't get that kind of fully work. <laughs> oh, the production values on the show. Yeah, it's um, priceless. Absolutely priceless. All right. Well, uh, having looked at all three lists, here are the three films that each of us put on there. Now, this doesn't mean it's all decided. We only have one movie to vote in now because tonight's show is like the Continental Congress. Nothing is actually decided until we put our John Hancocks on the documents, which actually does sound dirtier than I thought it would. But Anyway, let's let's start with the obvious choices. These three movies are presumably in the Texas Chain Saw Massacre, 1974, Black Christmas, and Psycho. All three of them appeared on all three of our lists. Do either of you prefer one of the movies on your top ten list? to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Black Christmas, or Psycho. Are we actively avoiding Halloween? I mean, I, I know the, I know your reason for not putting it on your list. Let's put Halloween aside for the moment, 
fully knowing we're going to have to deal with it soon, is there a movie on your list that you would actually replace one of these movies with? That's what I'm asking. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. I was saying, like, only one that I might consider is, is Halloween. But if we're sort of tabling that for the moment, then I'd say no. There is nothing that I would replace on this list. Okay, well, actually, Rich, if you were to put in Halloween for one of these three, which ones would you take out? Ooh. <laughs> if I had to swap, I'd say, I guess I'd swap maybe Black Christmas. But even then, like, I do really like Black Christmas. I don't know how permanent my answer is. Okay. I wanted to know where your head was at. That's a data point. I made a note of it. You probably heard me typing it. It's in there. All right. As of now, Rich would swap out Black Christmas for John Carpenter's Halloween. Vic, how about you? Well, first, John, I just want to note that these are the the three that appeared on, on all three of our lists. But that doesn't mean that they were the number one. Like, it just means we all agree they're one of the ten best. Right. Um, so I would say, looking at these three, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the only one that I am 100% sure should be one of the top four. Me too, actually. Uh, now, I agree that Halloween should be on the list. I would probably swap out Psycho. Okay. Uh, just because... I think your your argument holds a lot of water, John, that it is, while it might be the best movie in the bunch, uh, I don't think it exemplifies the the slasher genre to the degree that I want in picking the best slasher film ever made, right? Yes. Uh, I, it's, I'm glad it's in the competition. I'm glad we've talked about it. But I think uh, uh, I would be okay swapping that out. Uh, in terms of what else... I would make a case for a nightmare on Elm Street. I think there's a there's a lack of of anything sort of supernatural in the the, the sort of proposed top four. If we were to keep these three, and you know what what else would we add? Also, I just think there's just it, it has a lot of iconic stuff. There's a reason that it launched one of the the sort of big four franchises. Well, wait, so, yeah, specifically, would... specifically. Which movie would you swap out to get Nightmare in? I'm not settled on this. I'm just I'm just talking out loud here. But you could say Texas Chainsaw, Black Christmas, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Right? So you're you're making an argument for the last the fourth spot is what you're saying. Okay. Again, I'm not I'm not sold on that, okay? I I think we should have more discussion about X, honestly. I mean, I need to I need to watch X again. To, to really sort of let it sink in. But this would be a fun place to do that. I'm not sure it's one of the four best slashers ever made, but it was it did a lot of very interesting things. Rich, you did you see X yet? I did, yeah, recently. Okay, what can you just give me a, a quick rundown? What were your thoughts on it? I think what I like about it is that, like, I feel like one of the things that X was doing really well was that, first of all, it took a lot of the expectations that I think that come along with the, the genre and tried to play with your expectations. And, you know, I think a lot of movies try that where it's like they're sort of leading you with what you anticipate from this genre. But what X did really well was that it then, you know, without, I know that we're doing a spoiler episode but given that this is like newer i'll i'll dance around it a little bit where it's like 
you ba- you end up with a, a slasher who really comes out of like left field. And at the same time, like by the end of the of the story, like actually kind of like develops a really like compelling like motivation and almost like a backstory. The the slasher them themselves, like so, so to speak, really has their own plot line operating in the in the, the background and like a surprising one on, on top of that. It's also just like very compelling filmmaking. Like there's just like a, a lot of like really clever camera moves. Like it's it's beautifully shot. And I found the sort of like the driving light plot line of like these people like uh, together, you know, to try to make their, their their porn film and the like the the personal politics that played out with that also gave you a pretty engaging like character story to follow before the the kills even started. So I don't know. I guess like in a nutshell, like off the top of my head, like that's kind of like what I really responded to about it. was like I feel like it dug a little bit deeper in terms of development maybe than your average film. Yeah. I agree with all of that. I would I would also say that one of the sort of core I don't want to say plot lines, but one of the core sort of themes, something that comes up, is this idea of sexuality in like geriatric people. <laughs> which is which is really frankly depicted and i just thought like that's one of the last taboos that you can sort of shatter in in a slasher film which i think is notable as a as a subgenre for, <laughs> for 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 breaking through taboos and yeah like there is a there is graphic old people fucking in that movie and i did not expect that <laughs> i think it passes the test easily of a movie I would like to talk about in depth because of its fascinating layers. However, I did not walk out of that movie thinking this is like a total classic. I did not walk out of it thinking this should be on my list of like the 10 greatest horror films of the last 10 years. I really liked it, but my first thought was not, oh my God, we're in the midst of this process. This movie should be in the in the top four of our tournament. Now, why that is, I don't really think we have to totally get into it. And I've only seen it once, and I didn't necessarily prepare for that conversation. But I can say that while underwhelmed is certainly not the word I would use, I would just say I was not so blown away the way I was blown away by... You know, just looking back at the last 15, 20 years of going to movies in the, in the theater, The Descent, It Follows, The Witch, things that immediately I was like, oh my, you know, we've got to get a podcast together to talk about this movie. It didn't hit that threshold. But, you know, like, I don't, I don't know in the, the 10 movies we're talking about, I don't see The Descent or It Follows on the list. I mean, certainly Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we can all agree, is a film of that magnitude. Certainly arguable that the first Halloween is. I, I think it could sneak in, but that's not that was not my instinct coming out of the theater. All right, well, how do you guys feel? So we'll, so we'll, we'll put that aside for the moment. How do you feel with not having a Friday the 13th film in the top four? Ooh, see, okay, yeah. Thank you for that, Vic. I, I, I have to talk about that. I didn't know exactly how this conversation would go, but going into it, 
it was a Friday the 13th movie replacing Psycho for me. And here's why. Psycho might be the proto-slasher, the movie that lit the fuse, but films like Texas Chainsaw, Halloween, and Friday were the dynamite. It's debatable that Psycho is truly a slasher movie at all. For me, it's in the tournament because it laid critical groundwork and it doesn't entirely lack the necessary criteria, but it's not indicative of slasher movies as we think of them today. It's hard for me to imagine doing a Final Four without Jason Voorhees in it. I'm not sure I want to live in that world, guys. I'm, I'm pretty easy on which movie we put in because I love all three that are up for discussion tonight. But it's tough to exclude a Friday movie. Maybe it ends up taking a fourth slot alongside Psycho. I don't think that's where you guys or or me are leaning at all. But of my ten finalists, the two Fridays really stand out over Psycho. And I I think I would even vote for Texas Chainsaw 2 over Psycho and maybe Sleepaway Camp. They're debatable to varying degrees, but just kind of based on the criteria that I'm looking at, even though we all put Psycho on the ballot, I think that one's definitely out, and I want us to try to get a Friday the 13th movie in. I'm sorry, you wanted to get us on the list? (laughs) (laughs) Well played. Well played. (laughs) We're getting there soon, trust me. We'll talk about us. Rich, how do you feel like are you totally good with not having a Jason movie in here, or, or you you voted for two? So how do you how do you feel I right mean, now? Like, not that I vote for two, but like I stand by. I can't remember exactly how I voted, how my voting uh, language went, but I do remember it being something along the lines of like saying that this was basically a top four movie for me. Yeah. So you did. I feel like I feel pretty strongly about, in particular, about uh, part two. I, I definitely don't share the the love as much with Jason Lives. So like I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm gonna fight for that one there. Although we look, we we can negotiate. But I definitely say like Friday Thirteenth Part Two is a pretty hard vote for me. And I do feel like I agree that to me Friday is like the essential slasher period. So it's like yes, that should be in there. Something something from that canon should be in there. So, Vic, we're pretty much in agreement, but I want you to confirm it. Psycho is out, and we have two spots to fill. Would you put a Friday movie in there? And if so, does it have to be Jason Lives? If it wasn't Jason Lives, it would be part two. I have in in each subsequent viewing, part four has just fallen in my esteem. Uh, And so that would not... That would not replace Psycho in my in my book. So part two or part six. I mean, my argument for part six is essentially that that is, to me, the quintessential Friday the 13th film. We've got Tommy Jarvis. We've got the, the summer camp. We've got unstoppable killing machine zombie Jason. We've got the hawk mask. We've got a variety of weapons. Uh, we've got more humor, I think, which just makes it, a, you know, a, a, a little makes it go down a little easier. And I like some of the performances. I think it, in in addition to part two, I think it has one of the best uh, final-ish girls. I won't sob uncontrollably if we go with part two over part six. I think part two is certainly a more a more serious film, 
But part six is the is the most fun to me. That's the that's the one that I enjoyed have enjoyed watching. It's so I tough. Just, like, I just, yeah, I don't know. I just like never seen that perspective. I agree that it is crafted with fun in mind. But to me, in like really like reveling in this type of movie, the fun is in watching them take it seriously, not in like playing with the the conventions. And you know, like you know, like we had meta was our was sort of our kind of where like some of the the comedic takes on the on the slasher ended up and i and i enjoy those movies like i, I like movies that are sort of like having fun um with, with the idea no, nothing that's a knock against it but if you want to boil this down to like what really what i want to like put on two weeks before halloween let's like let's watch a slasher film i can understand that the iconography is sort of missing from friday too but like the DNA of what a slasher film is is so strong in that movie. Exactly. I mean, it has everything that you want out of a slasher film. I would just I would have a very hard time doing this. But I don't know. I also didn't vote for part six, so that's to be expected. I feel like the part two is the one that still gets the hackles up on the back of my neck. The original pure intent of these films to play your nerves like a fiddle, to just draw out the suspense to excruciating degrees, to just have no irony, no meta, no tongue in cheekness, no self awareness, but to also be funny and entertaining. At the same time, you know, not always entirely intentionally because, you know, things are dated and whatnot, but never to the degree that it takes you out of the experience where when you need to be really engaged. When I get excited about Friday the 13th movies, it's that, and I would put parts of three and definitely four, which is why I champion four, because it's got the purity, but the classical Jason. That's why it's in here for me, because I agree that while I love the Baghead Jason as a unique, you know, brief interlude in in his career as a slasher killer, I would love the amazing strengths of two to be married to a hockey mask Jason, but you can't have everything in this world. On some level, while I absolutely applaud Jason lives for being a good proto-meta Jason movie, and they are all meta after that on some level or another, you know, right down to Jason takes Manhattan and he looks up at a hockey billboard on the street, you know, like there's, or the holodeck sequence in Jason X, it all kind of starts with Jason lives, and it does it so well, it's such an entertaining movie, I, I love it. But my instinct is not to reward Meta in this process, at this moment, at this juncture. It's to reward the wellspring, the blueprint, the platonic ideal of the slasher movie. And that's why I'm I'm going with two on that. I'll agree to two, but just because of the scene where she spritzes her panties with perfume. Which is fantastic. Which is fantastic. And entirely earnest in the sense that it's not nudge, nudge, 
you know, wink, wink. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> okay, so we don't. Nothing is set in stone yet, but right now we kind of have tentative agreement that Psycho's spot is going to Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, and we have an open spot. Does that reflect the conversation so far? Again, nobody's married to anything, but does that make sense? Except insofar as we are putting off putting Halloween aside. Halloween, it's looming. We will deal with it. But let's All proceed right. in the process a little bit farther and so deal Josh with that. Is, Josh is hoping that like, Halloween's going like, to go away. Like We're going to forget that, that Halloween is on the list. It's possible that at the end of this conversation, we'll have four movies that all of us, for various reasons, feel more passionately about. But if that doesn't happen, there's Halloween, right? Even if somehow it doesn't go forward i would raise my hand and say it's not really reflecting on the film so much as that we're a podcast and we covered it already but i would also say don't exclude it if you think it's number one all right though the reason i'm saying that is i can tell you peek behind john's curtain i will vote for texas chainsaw massacre over halloween every day of the week so it's not going to be number one for me. So in in that sense, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. I want to talk about the one vote movies briefly. We're deep enough into this conversation. I don't know that anyone's going to make a passionate case. But these are the movies that only one of us voted for. Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. The Strangers. Maniac, 1981. Hot! Tension! <laughs> Terrifier. <laughs> Terrifier, Blood Rage, and Stage Fright. Does anyone want to make a case for one of these films as a Fatal Four finalist? This is not a direct answer to your question, John. I just want to point out that this list of, of eight movies is actually, I think, a more interesting list of films um, <laughs> ultimately. And so like, like if you had to like sit me down and you're like, you're like, I'm going to make you watch eight of these movies straight in a row. This is a pretty good lineup. Like, yeah. This is a unique group of, of movies. So I like the one vote films. So do I. So do I. Vic, any thoughts on this? I want to make a case against high tension at some point. Well, look, if you prepared for it, fine. But I can tell you, I am not prepared to, like, tell you it should be one of our final four. So, if it, you know, it's somewhat moot at this point. But if you want to bag on it, feel free. <laughs> John, far be it for me to bag on a film that you feel passionately about. I, I, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, we danced around this so much when we talked about it. Spoiler alert! Okay, if you care about high tension slash hot tension, but you haven't seen it, please skip ahead a couple of minutes while we talk about it briefly here. Thank you. Big reveal is that there is no killer, that it's all... What's her name? Cecile? Yeah, that sounds right. And so once you realize that, I feel like in every subsequent viewing, when she's hiding under the bed and the killer comes over and lifts up the mattress... I'm not scared because there's no one there. She's hiding from herself. When she's in the gas station 
and she's hiding, like, ducking around and trying to get the, the clerk's attention. And then the clerk gets the axe in the back. She's hiding from no one. She's the one who hit him with the axe. So those scenes have no tension for me anymore. And I don't, I can't find any way around that. Vic, I'm not prepared to debate you on that because I see those things as well and it sticks in my craw. But I can, you know, somewhat rationalize it as she's behaving in a in a dual personality way and part of the time she's doing things like one of those people and part of the time she's doing things like the other the bigger question is what the fuck is up with that truck which appear appears to be real that the killer is driving around did she pick up that truck somewhere along the line it's a fanciful film, ultimately, and yes, like if you look at all of the rivets, some of them are not very tight, and the the plates in the superstructure are about to pop off and fall on the road. It's not tight, and like depending on your expectation, that can be just like fuck it. I don't care what else the movie does. For me. It's one of the more powerful rides that I have been on, talking about that again. Like, let's just say in the 2000s, that movie was right at the dawn of the 2000s. And if you asked me to stack up the 15 theatrical experiences that had the biggest impression on John Evans, that is on that top 15 list. I was just blown away by that movie the first time. It is such a fucking stylistic bravura journey into tension and insanity and horror that has one of the best home invasion sequences ever put to film and there are a lot of them it's got great music and it's and it's sexy and it's just a it's just a fun fucking movie so i, I default to that I'm not arguing any of that on the first viewing. What I'm saying is that on each subsequent viewing, it has gotten progressively more absurd and I have enjoyed it less and less. And all of the tension in the sequences is evaporated because of the reveal of what's happening. I wouldn't say it completely evaporates because the for the clerk, it's still real. I mean, yes, you kind of know that you're watching this woman go through this kind of, you know, moment-to-moment -moment suspense, knowing that ultimately her sneaking around in the cool, you know, weirdly lit toilets doesn't mean anything because the killer's not really stalking her or that kind of a thing. But, you know, I can still just enjoy the movie, you know, fully knowing that. Does it take it down a notch? Absolutely. But I still enjoy, like, the way it's done, the way it's depicted. It's not like I never want to see this again because of that. Do I wish that they'd maybe not gone for that twist or somehow not invalidated so much of the movie before with their twist? Absolutely. But it's basically not about that. My enjoyment of the movie is not about that. Rich, do you have anything to say about this film? I don't feel super strongly about the, the twist, like, ruining. I know that really bothers Vic. It not bother me that much. I, I am with you in that I can just embrace that movie's strengths in terms of it being, like, a, a cinematic 
race through this this story and like being really effective, almost like on an, on sort of an adventure film level within like the, yeah. the horror realm. Like, like I, I'm I'm down. I'm with you. Them. I'm like down for the ride. I will say I am less passionate about this movie overall, and like I enjoy it, but I'm not. I don't have like that same like kind of like visceral like passionate passionate reaction that that you have, and it's just but that my my issues with the film I guess like don't aren't Vic's issues with the with the with the movie. Yeah, and I I fully recognize this is somewhat like you putting up Rich Blood Rage or Stage Fright. This and and Terrifier and, and to a degree Maniac for me. I'm not going to the mattresses to say that the the movies the three or even four if you count Halloween or uh, you know Friday the Thirteenth like there's no room at the inn for these movies and I'm fine with that. I just wanted to to give them some love. That's how I'm looking at it. Can I say one more thing and then I swear I'll let it go? Sure. All right, and I think Roger Ebert brought this up too in his review, but the scene when so after the the guys killed at the at the gas station, right? She goes to the phone and she calls the cops, and the cops are like, "We're on, we're on our way. Where are you?" She's like, "I don't know." The cops are like, "Just look around, see if you can find an address." She's like, "I can't find an address," and like hangs up the phone and puts off. It was like it was like the worst example of. How do we not? How do we keep the cops from being involved? Is basically like the cops just want to know where she is so they can so they can come help. And she's like, "Nope, I I can't give you that information. I'm sorry." That never registered with me. I just want to say really quick that I think part of Vic's objection to this film, if I may be so bold, is that he is the working screenwriter in this room, and he is the man who has gotten notes time and time again on all of these scripts that he has written and it pisses him off that someone could get away with all of this shit that is my belief you might not be wrong it pains me to say that but you might not be wrong (laughs) okay well i appreciate your points and the conversation Let's move on from this phase of the game and start talking about the films that got two votes, which I think could be a pretty interesting phase of our podcast. Okay, you knew it was coming, didn't you? We're going to go ahead and split this episode in half right there. Tune in next time for the thrilling conclusion, including further discussion of Jordan Peele's Us. And yeah, I love this song. Until then, adios.